Hello and welcome to Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking. Thanks for joining us. I'm Malcolm Borthwick, Managing Editor of Intellectual Capital at Bailey Gifford. China's economy is one of the few to have avoided recession this year. In the second quarter of 2020, it grew by 3%, compared to the same period last year. In contrast, the US economy shrank by 33%. Well, that's a short-term snapshot, but how will the pandemic shape growth and investing over the next decade? I'm joined by Roddy Snell, co-manager of the new Bailey Gifford China Growth Trust, Bailey Gifford's China Fund, and Bailey Gifford's Pacific Fund. Roddy's also deputy manager of the Pacific Horizon Investment Trust. But before we start the podcast, some important information. Please remember that as with all investments, your capital's at risk and your income is not guaranteed. And this podcast has been recorded during the coronavirus pandemic. So Roddy and I are both at home as opposed to the usual Edinburgh studio. Roddy, welcome. And you joined us for our very first podcast in January 2019. So it's great to have you back. Firstly, what impact has the crisis had on Chinese companies? Sure. Well, uh, good to be back, Malcolm. And uh, thank you for that introduction. Um, I suppose looking at China, it's had a a severe contraction and downturn, but it's bounced back really very quickly. And I'd say things are pretty much back to normal. And if there's an enduring feature of this crisis on the companies that we look at, it's probably that the strong have got stronger. And you see that in traditional companies, in sort of industrial areas like cattle that we own, the battery maker. A number of competitors have, have gone out of business and they've taken market share. And I think we're going to see super normal profits for a few years going forward. Uh, and also in the tech space where we've seen a, a surge of users, which has allowed businesses to scale up far more rapidly than they would have done. So businesses like Meituan, the online food delivery business, uh, you know, as an example, their grocery business, which is relatively new, saw an increase of 400 uh, percent in terms of users over the crisis period. And give me an idea of what the situation is like on the ground in China in terms of the economy compared to, say, the UK or US. I think we really are heading back towards normality in China. Look at all the sort of key macro data points. We're essentially back to a decent economy that should be growing at a sort of 5 to 6% growth rate. Air travel, for example, we're back to 2019 levels in terms of domestic travel. Auto sales have picked up really quite nicely, particularly luxury sales. They're probably 10 to 20% higher than they were this time last year. So in all intents and purposes, uh, China is back to business and, and up and running. So both China and the West have taken very different approaches during the crisis. Western governments have injected huge amounts of money into the economy, something China has avoided. Which model do you think is likely to be most successful? That's an interesting question. And I think over the next 10 years, we're probably at an inflection point where we're going to see a real divergence between countries that handled the crisis well, like China, that haven't massively expanded their balance sheets, and those that haven't, which I'd say would be the developed West. And I think it's going to have profound consequences. You, know, you look around today as an investor and you say, you know, there's trillions of dollars of liquidity in the world today. Where do I want to invest? Is it you know, essentially the debt-laden West that have expanded their balance sheet by trillions during this crisis, have told us quite clearly that zero negative interest rates are here to stay and have very little growth, Or is it countries like China with a decent structural growth rate that haven't blown up their balance sheets in this crisis and have sensible interest rates? I think it's probably very clearly the latter, in which case it's a very exciting time for China. And as I say, I think it's perhaps an inflection point where a lot of capital starts to look east. 
And one of the questions I often ask investors on the podcast, particularly lately, is what has the crisis changed your mind about? Sure. Well, perhaps my answer is a little bit surprising, but maybe not that much. If you look at our portfolio, which is, I suppose, where we express our actual views, we haven't changed it that much. And I think that's because what the crisis has done is really accelerate the changes that we saw happening over the next 10, 15 years. For example, looking at one of our holdings, uh, Ping An Good Doctor, which is an online GP surgery where GPs you know, can, can review about 500 patients a day with double the accuracy of a normal doctor. The crisis has really just accelerated the adoption of people moving online to visit their doctor. I think what you've seen, much like I suppose SARS back in 2003, which is really the catalyst for e-commerce across China, you're seeing that across other parts of technology in the country, a permanent shift further online in areas such as GP services, doctors online, to food delivery. So I think you know the, the change we're seeing, what has changed my mind, is just the speed and acceleration of adoption in China. That's probably the enduring feature. And what about the future? In a recent paper, you say that China is the most exciting market to invest in in the coming decades. Why is that? Sure, I think there are a few reasons. I mean, firstly, if you take the big picture, China is really just too big to ignore. It's got the largest middle class in the world, the second largest economy, and there's a lot more to come. You know, China's going to be growing at 5 to 6% for the foreseeable future, which is really the envy, I think, of many Western economies. And it's really under-owned. It accounts for about 80% of global market cap, 30% of listed stocks, yet just 2.5% of global funds. So there's a big anomaly that investors can get ahead of. Perhaps more importantly for us in terms of managing the portfolio, at the stock level, it's just got some great opportunities. As we've already covered, it's got many world-class companies, some of the most innovative companies, I'd argue, in the world. And crucially, it's a market you can add a lot of value in as an active investor. It really is incredibly inefficient. If you look at our emerging markets team, which has been around for more than 25 years, we've added most of our value you know, consistently in China. And that is because of the inefficiency there. It's very retail driven. The average holding period is often you know, less than 50 days. And that means if you have a long term time horizon, five to 10 years, you really do have a differentiated edge in the country. And trade relations between China and the US are at their lowest in, in decades. What do you think this means for the long term in relation to investing in China? Firstly, I'd say I think it's inevitable that tensions are going to rise between the two countries. I, I think it's the natural consequence of having a superpower and a, and a new superpower rising. However, my view is that it actually probably makes China stronger in the future. If you go back to Napoleon, he once said that China is a sleeping giant. Let her sleep, for when she wakes, she will shake the world. And I think what the US has done with this provocation is essentially waken the sleeping giant. And that is actually a good thing for China. You know, having some competition, someone breathing down your neck is usually actually a good thing. And you're seeing China now double down on everything from innovation and technology and R&D to make sure that it is fully self-sufficient and able to compete on a global scale. So I think in the long run, China is probably the winner from the issues that we see with the US today. And there are certainly a number of stocks that should be a benefit from that. When we talked a couple of years ago, we talked about it more as a trade war, but it seems to really be a, more of a tech war now in terms of what we've seen with Huawei and 
ByteDance, the owners of TikTok? Sure, I think that's a very accurate description and uh, it's definitely moved towards technology as the pinch point. And I suppose that's inevitable given that technology really is the future of many economies and, and ultimately power in the world over the coming decades. So yes, I think there are areas that will be, from an investor's perspective, hit hard. Specific companies such as Huawei, maybe even uh, ZTE, which is also involved in 4G, 5G networks. But then there are also a lot of opportunities For example, we're invested in a number of software companies, which should benefit as China looks to use local indigenous software companies as opposed to the likes of Oracle and Microsoft. And a second theme, which plays a little bit off this, I think, is increasing Chinese nationalism. You're seeing a lot of Chinese, particularly the young, wanting to go for local national brands as opposed to Western. So, for example, we're invested in Leaning, which is a uh, sportswear maker, a bit like Nike. You're really seeing, particularly the under 30s, shifting away from Nike and Adidas towards companies like Leaning. So there's going to be volatility in the market, but lots of opportunities for stock pickers. And it was interesting listening to the ex-Google boss, Eric Schmidt, in an interview recently where he was talking about the fact that the US had dropped the ball in terms of innovation and saying that China had caught up or was catching up. But I wonder if the picture is more that China, in terms of innovation and research and development, hasn't just caught up, but has maybe overtaken the US. That's a very interesting point. And there are several ways of looking at that. You know, I think if you just look at pure R&D spending, certainly China now spends more than Europe and is catching up or will have already caught up with the US, certainly files more patents. So in terms of you know, big picture, yes, it's doing everything it can and may well already be ahead of the US. And then certainly at a company level, in specific areas, I'd say that China is certainly leading the way. If you look at e-commerce, companies like Alibaba and JD.com have created by far the largest e-commerce market in the world. It's larger than the next 10 largest e-commerce markets in the world today, more than double the size of the US e-commerce market. In places like batteries, electric vehicles, China now dominates. About half of all electric vehicles are now in the Chinese market, and they have a huge aspiration to get to 25% of all cars being electric vehicles within the next five years. I certainly think in terms of R&D innovation, they're spending as much, if not more, than the US. And in certain areas, they are leaders in the world today, particularly online and mobile. And we're recording this podcast at home at the moment. A lot of people are working from home. Has that changed your approach to work and how you invest? In some ways, not too much. For 110 years plus, Bailey Gifford has only ever or has always just been based up in Edinburgh, where we've researched companies from afar, you know, with occasional trips out to the regions. So in many ways, day to day, things haven't changed. And indeed, with technology, it's actually easier, if not easier, to meet management than it ever has been. So this week, I've had meetings with at least eight Chinese companies already this week. I suppose the bit I miss, I think you can get away with for a period of time, but ultimately, it does ebb away at some of the insights, is travel. I do enjoy getting out to China and the region and spending time with management teams, competitors, and really just uh, experiencing a bit of serendipity. You don't necessarily know what you're going to find, but it can often be useful. So I think for a period of time, it doesn't really matter. But ultimately, after sort of 12 months, I'd probably come back and say, yeah, I think not being able to go to the region occasionally is something that I would start to miss from an investment perspective. Roddy, you mentioned serendipity and the importance of being in a country and traveling to do your research. 
Is there an example that you can think of where serendipity has led to an investment opportunity? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there there'd be quite a few. Um, I suppose one that springs to mind from a previous trip was actually just driving around uh, or getting stuck, sorry, in a in a traffic jam in Shanghai outside a leaning store, which, as we mentioned, is the sort of the Nike or Adidas of China. Now, this had been a company that had done very well for many years, but then fallen on hard times. The key founder stopped being involved. They got the brands wrong, etc. And I'd considered it a sort of a dead company, if you like. However, being stuck in this traffic jam outside one of their leading stores in Shanghai, there were just queues going round the block for one of their latest trainer designs. And it sort of sprung a, a thought in my head that, you know, perhaps things, fortunes are t- t- turned around at leaning. And given the sort of operational gearing you see in fashion brands, that could be quite an exciting time to to start revisiting the story. So that was really the catalyst for starting to look at it again in a little bit more detail. And Li Ning, which is run by a famous Chinese Olympic gymnast. That's right, yes. I know he's a, Mr. Li Ning was very good in his day. I think it was a three, three gold medals at the Los Angeles Olympics. Well, let's send it there, Roddy. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. You can find our podcast, Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking at baileygifford.com forward slash podcasts. And subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify and TuneIn. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please spread the word. And if you'd like to find out more about why Roddy thinks China will be the most exciting growth market over the coming decades, read his paper, Refocusing on the Future, China, which is on the Insights page of our website at baileygifford.com forward slash future focus. And many thanks to Lord of the Arts for the music. The track we've used is called Horizon Effect, which was released on permanent vacation. And if you're listening at home, stay well, and we look forward to bringing you more insights in our next podcast. Music